0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the Old Testament reading of Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. You may pause the reading at this time if you would like to read that before I preach the sermon. And it sets the basis of our theme for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, Jesus, Army of One. A few years ago now, the U.S. Army came out with the recruiting slogan, An Army of One, which captured the nation's attention and sent the message to our young people that if they join the Army, they will not lose their ability to contribute their creativity to the Army. Now, get this. 98% of responses to this slogan were negative and considered by many to be a concession to the narcissistic nature of the recruits these days. Even more concerned was the potential danger this could pose to unit camaraderie and undermining of army doctrine that helped us win two world wars. Needless to say, the slogan was quickly changed to Army Strong emphasizing the unit over the individual once again. On this weekend, as we prepare our Veterans Day celebrations, we remember the men and women that served all around the world to protect our freedom to worship the one true God here today. And we come to worship and find some striking similarities between service to our Eternal Father and the army doctrine of the unit and Teamwork. God demonstrates a tendency in our Old Testament today to see all who worship him as one and trains us to be an effective team that will glorify him for what he has done for us. But how do we get to the point of being an effective team? Those of us that served in the military know it starts with training, more training, and even more training effectively without end. What was always amazing to me was how the military could take kids of every culture and language from as far as the Philippines and train them in eight weeks to become one effective unit. Certainly, part of the way they did this was by breaking down our individual identities and replacing it with a military culture unto itself. But it still amazed me nonetheless how effective they were at it. Plus, it always amazed me how nearly every individual, for the most part, succeeded. Largely because the Army would not accept that you couldn't do the job they gave you to do at the standard they set for you to do it at. Even if you initially failed, they would keep training you and even adjust the training as necessary until you succeeded in fulfilling their mission. I saw so many kids that were feeble and on the surface seemingly incapable become confident men in their dress greens on graduation. Knowing they could do what was previously seemingly impossible for them to do. Now, I have to confess, part of my sinful nature has always been to prejudge people on their potential for success. Having served in leadership and supervisory positions from as far back as my days in Boy Scouts and high school marching band to supervisor positions in the private sector and even up to now as a senior pastor and circuit visitor, My knee-jerk reaction is to make a snap judgment upon the individual in my care as to their potential for success. And my sinful nature would even use my authority to carry out the sinful prophecy I made one way or the other so that it would come true the way I felt it should. Well, Exodus 3 shows us today my way was not God's way. For you vets, the military way either. Today, God literally turns a man with little or no personal potential into a type of savior for the nation. A man that wasn't confident, most recently a simple shepherd and even a traitor to Pharaoh having recently killed an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew wanted by Pharaoh for said crime in their eyes. Probably the worst candidate to send back to Pharaoh, regardless of the basic training afforded to him in such a short time by God. But we all know too well, God rarely calls the qualified. Rather, he qualifies the call. So Moses is the guy with nothing more than the name of the Lord to authorize his expertise on said mission that lay ahead of him and do his job. You had one job, the saying goes. I'm sure you have seen all the hilarious photos of misspelled street signs, construction projects gone hopelessly wrong, food cooked and presented resembling nothing pictured in the cookbook. We've all seen these gaffes and laughed, and sometimes we have been the perpetrator of these gaffes and lived with the gales of laughter at our expense for years. That's the sinner's line. Given the opportunity to succeed, we will always fail more than we succeed. And this is the story of God's people. Failures who somehow were redeemed by a savior. Whether it was Adam and Eve poorly managing a perfect garden, or Abram betraying his beautiful wife, or Jacob flat out deceiving everyone— judges who did most everything but act judiciously, 14 of the fourteen forty kings of Judah in Israel making mistake after mistake and those 14 were the good kings. And then there were prophets like Jonah who ran from God, Isaiah who knew he had unclean lips before God and don't get me started on the New Testament disciples and apostles like Peter and Paul that betrayed God and persecuted God we consider them the greatest of all. Each and every one flawed failures for our eternal father in heaven. Yet God put them on his team for his people. And they were on God's team. Because God saw them and made them as one. In verses 7 to 8 of today's lesson where we see this reality, albeit ever so slightly mistranslated in English for us today. The problem here is, when we translate, publications make it read in proper English grammar. Unfortunately, Hebrew grammar is not the same as English grammar, and in rare cases it misses the mark ever so slightly, as it does in verses 7 through 8 today. Not enough to change doctrine or confuse God's intent, but just enough to miss the subtle gestures He uses to make His people one. To hear how God spoke to the Israelites as one, as well as the other nations listed, we must read it as the Hebrew would have heard it, not like we would render it in English. So look at verses 7 to 8 with me, and hear it aloud as it should be rendered as I read it aloud, with those adjustments in mind. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of its taskmasters. I know his sufferings, and I've come down to deliver it out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring it up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, The Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. The Lord does not talk to them as many individuals in plural form. He sees them as one. And in seeing them as one, he calls us to see that what happens to one of us happens to all of us. And for the other nations that are not one with him, he sends us that they may be one with him. Well, that's just great, Pastor, but what does that have to do with me? And that is an obvious and good question for all of us today. What does any of this have to do with us? We have to look a little further back in our text to verse 4 to see the connection to us even to today verse 4 there is this mysterious angel of the lord when the angel of the lord appears he almost always is a helper a protector an inviter one who stretches forth his hand with strength and a word a redeemer The early church father Arrhenius specifically says the son of God is implanted everywhere throughout his writings and speaks with Moses from the burning bush. When God speaks from the bush, Jesus is speaking in pre-incarnate form as the future savior, calling Moses to be a type of his salvation for the Israelites in order to set them free from slavery under Pharaoh. And if Jesus can call and qualify Moses to stand up to Pharaoh, he can most certainly call and qualify you to stand up to. For Jesus qualifies you with strong arms stretched out on the cross for our sins, making us one with him. Sinners saved by our Savior to glorify him and work together to save even more and make them one with us. For Jesus is all of Israel, all of God's people, and all sinners trusting in their Savior, reduced one. And having crucified that which separated us from him, made us one with God again. Jesus, army of one. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.